630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. The Tampa Bay Lightning looking to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal. To do that, they have to beat the Carolina Hurricanes on the road. So far, so good. On a beautiful goal from Braden Point. Took a great pass on the power play from Alice Kalorn. It was a two-on-one. Not many two-on-ones in the power play, but uh, especially off the rush. But uh, Point did a great job of freezing Kane's goaltender. Alex Nedeljkovic went uh, forehand, backhand, and he scores I believe that was his eighth goal of the playoffs. Just give me one second. Yes, it was. Eighth goal of the playoffs. Kalorn and Kucherov with the assist. So one nothing lightning over the Hurricanes, who do have two forwards back that didn't play in Tampa, in Nino Niederreiter and Vincent Trocek. But the Canes, who had home ice because they finished second in the uh, Central Division, uh, they're down one nothing and down three games to one. Still to come tonight, we will have Game 5 and a critical Game 5 in the Pacific Division Final as uh, this has been a homer series. The Avalanche, who have been really good at home, but uh, lost their last two games in Vegas. They take on the Golden Knights. That series tied at 2. NBA playoffs tonight. We got a couple of games. Uh, One is underway. The Philadelphia 76ers out and running big time on the Atlanta Hawks. That is a 23-6 lead for the Sixers. I believe that this is game two with the Sixers leading one game to nothing in the uh, second round Western Conference series between the LA Clippers and the Utah Jazz will get going around 8 o'clock. Chicago White Sox are at home to the Toronto Blue Jays. That is the start of a three-game set for the Jays. Robbie Ray with the uh, start. He is a 3-2 with a 3.57 ERA this season. And uh, we're going to know for sure on Monday... Monday or Tuesday, I guess, the CFL Board of Governors will be providing some much-needed clarity on the 2021 season next week. A league official says the board will hold a conference call Monday, at which time league officials are expected to vote on the 2021 CFL season starting on August the 5th. The official added the CFL board, if the board votes in favor, the league will release a 2021 schedule shortly afterwards. Let's get it going because we want to see some Edmonton Elks football on the brick field at Commonwealth Stadium. Absolutely. Hey, how you doing? It's Dave Campbell in tonight once again for Reed Wilkins, who is uh, enjoying a nice little break. I know he played golf yesterday as I uh, spoke to Reed today, and uh, I'm glad he went today or yesterday because today couldn't do much of that at all. So I remind you of the certainty hotline, professional grade building materials pro all the way. Hotline sponsor brought to you by Certainty. It is 780-496-0063 to call or text. Nice to have you along. And last night, the Kings of the North Division were crowned. Hellebuck had to Foley coming. Pass picked off for the boards by Suzuki. Tried to center it. Bowman blocked it. They both swatted that loose puck now. Caulfield gets it loose. Up front. Yeah, who would have thought that, huh? <laughs> I mean, they were down three games to one to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They just looked like they were, they were, they were just burned out, cooled off. That's it. It's over. The Leafs were finally going to get over the hump and advance to their first, second round, or actually win a series for the first time in 17 years. Didn't happen. We know what happened. They blew it. The Canadians played better in the final three games, uh, even though they had. You know, it's funny. It, you know, I mentioned it last night, and it's just. It just boggles your mind because the Leafs were the better team as far as 
the scoring chances and possession, but hey, if you can't put the puck in the net, that's all for naught. And the Oilers know that against the Jets in the first round. Connor Hellebuck was stellar in the first two games, actually through all four games. You blow a three-goal or a two-goal lead. No, it was a three-goal lead. That doesn't help either. But the Canadians, they absolutely own the Winnipeg Jets. Like, it, it is it is stunning to think about how badly the uh, the Canadians beat the Jets. And let, let's run through the scores. It's not like they, they rolled over the Jets in all four games. First game was 5-3. That's when Shifley got suspended after uh, running over Jake Evans, who was uh, putting the puck in the empty net on the wraparound. Game two was a one nothing lead, or one nothing win. The most lopsided game was on, well, game three on Sunday, 5-1 for the Canadians, and then last night, 3-2 in overtime, with Tyler Toffoli winning on a nice pass from uh, Cole Caulfield. But the only time the Jets really carried the play, or really put the... Canadians back on their heels was probably last night when Logan Stanley scores two goals in in about four minutes. And that's it. It just, you know, that was a little bit of a tough go. The uh, Carey Price didn't look like himself last night in that short little stretch. After that, Canadians shook it off. They were the much better team. But it's just, you know, this is the 18th best team in the, in the National Hockey League if you look at overall standings. And I know everyone played in their own division but still, this is all we have to go on, folks. That's it. So they're going to play either the uh, Colorado Avalanche or the Vegas Golden Knights. We'll talk about that in a moment. But uh, Paul Maurice, and I know there's Jets fans and even non-Jets fans that are calling for Paul Maurice's head. I don't know. I mean, we'll hear from Kelly Moore from uh, CJOB Radio in uh, Winnipeg, the voice of the Jets, after the uh, 6.30 news. We'll ask him that question. My sense is I, I can't see Maurice going. But losing Mark Shifley, Maurice says, yeah, that hurt. Well, you, you play a series that clearly you're having a hard time finding their net. You take your best offensive player out. Um, and just as importantly, what, it's, what it leaves you with then is, is the challenge. And more pressure, more emphasis on Pierre-Luc Dubois, who did not look like the Pierre-Luc Dubois from last year in the bubble in Toronto when the Columbus Blue Jackets um, beat the Leafs in five in their qualifying round, you know, they, they, they were hurt a little bit with their depth. Uh, Nick Ehlers came back from injury, didn't look like himself all the time. And he was probably their best player or what, you know, Rob Brown definitely thinks he was their best player for sure. And we saw him enough to, to know that he gave the Oilers fits, but losing Shifley definitely, definitely hurt. Absolutely. It did. And uh, Blake Wheeler, you know, we didn't see the same amount of production. Kyle Connor didn't see the same amount of production. But Maurice uh, reflecting on the season and the sweep. I'd like to give you a good answer to a solid question. It was extreme, right? Which was the case of the year. It was the story of the year. This was extreme. Um, all these things that you'd never faced before. We, we played an NHL season without fans in the building. We played an NHL season with a without a road game in our time zone. There's a whole lot of things that we've never dealt with before. Um, and you roll through four games against a team with the two best scorers in the league, and you like the defensive game, and then um, and then you get beat four straight times. They were good, and they were better than we were in this series, and they deserved to win. They certainly did. I mean, th this is about as lopsided of a, of a playoff series as I can remember. 
and the uh, the streak continues. I don't know. It's I can't. I think it's over ten. It's nine ten. I'm not sure what it is. Since 1999, I believe it's a stat. Was the last time when a team that swept their opponent and then played their next opponent who got through their series in seven games actually beat them. There's a strange run where the the team that swept in the earlier earlier round doesn't win against the team that played seven games to get through their series. It's a little weird that way. So, but you know, I mean, you, you look at the Habs. Why why are they doing this? I mean, this is crazy. When you look at the Habs, they have some good players. Probably their most dynamic player is Cole Caulfield, and he hasn't played the whole year. But you look at the skills that he brings and the quickness and the the the, the vision, the hand-eye, the shot he has. It was a great pass to Foley last night. Foley is a good finisher. But you look at, the, you know, their center depth. And, you know, Eric Stahl was picked up at the deadline. I mean, Philippe Deneau is not an offensive center, and he's their number one center. He's a defensive center. So, you know, Mark Bergevin, their G- GM, is not afraid to just go outside the box here a little bit. I mean, he had Thomas Placanitz before and David DeHarnay. But, you know, my point is, is that they have something that I think when you look at the Oilers roster, the Oilers could use some meat and potatoes players. And they have that in Montreal. Corey Perry is one of those players who drives goalies nuts and is willing to play his role. And remember, he played well last year for the Dallas Stars in the bubble here in Edmonton. He played extremely well. He just drives everyone crazy. Brendan Gallagher the same way. You know, they they and Nick Suzuki's a good uh, a good player. They don't always score, and they score in bunches, but they play with confidence and belief. They can roll four lines and they can tire out the opposition. They can annoy the opposition. I mean, how many Shea Weber cross checks has he given out this year? You know, like, and that's another thing too. I know Jeff Petrie didn't play last night, but their top four D are pretty good with Petrie, Weber, who was into the Stanley Cup uh, Final Four, Stanley Cup Playoff Final Four for the first time in his career. And we know how good Shea Weber has been. He's 35 years old. Joel Edmondson was a tremendous pickup. Ben Sherrod has been very good. Carey Price uh, is obviously all world. But, you know, when you look at what the Oilers need in free agency, need a little more meat and potatoes, grit and sandpaper. You know, and you look at you look at Zach Cassian, for example, who was excellent in 2017. We saw him play pretty well at times with Connor McDavid. I thought his playoff wasn't too bad, especially the, the two games in Winnipeg. They're pretty good, but he's playing with Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Devin Shore in overtime. You know, and it was hard to you know have any confidence that they were going to score, even though they had a couple nice chances, especially Shore. Uh, Cassian had one, I believe, in the second overtime period near the uh, near near the goal mouth. But, you know, the Oilers do have two dynamic players. They have Jesse Pugliarvi, I think, is becoming a, a really good two-way player. Um, you know, they have other players. Yamamoto, I'm not sure if he's a top-six player. I don't believe Dominic Cahoon's a top-six player. He's a free agent. But when you look at who's available, they needed some grit and sandpaper. I know Zach Hyman's name has come up. Um, Blake Coleman is a player that's playing right now for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He's a good player. He's someone that you could plug second, third line, maybe first line. 
Barkley Goodrow is a good bottom six player. And if you're looking for a score, I've brought his name up before, but Thomas Tatar, who is not playing right now, but when he plays, he plays with Philippe Deneau, who is a defensive center. If you're Thomas Tatar, maybe you're going, hmm, I could play with Connor McDavid, and I could play with Leon Dreisaitl. And the fact that Tatar has, is not playing right now, maybe that lowers his value. Because you got to remember flat cap, I wonder uh, how much that's going to affect the market as well. Some players are going to get paid. I mean, I look at Kyle Palmieri. He's having a good playoff for the New York Islanders. Probably going to get paid. Taylor Hall, you know, maybe you get him, or the thought was maybe you get him on the Tyson Berry deal, the bet on yourself deal, one year, four and a half, whatever. Taylor Hall could get paid now because he's having a good playoff. But there are some options out there that I think Ken Holland can find. And he won't find everything this summer, even though he's got all that cap space available to him. He's got his own players to resign, like RH and Nurse. And, you know, what about Larson? What about Tyson Berry? So there's some decisions to be made, but you know, the Canadians, they're fast, they're quick, but they have players that drive you crazy. And we saw nine games that the Oilers played against the Canadians. And honestly, they were the toughest opponent because they drove the stars crazy. They drove them nuts. Not a lot of room out there. So it's going to be different though. It's going to be a step up in weight class or maybe a couple when they play the Knights or the Avs who are deep and if you look at the Knights, I mean, they can do the same thing. They're talented. They're skilled. They got two good scoring lines. They got a good checking line, good energy line. They got a good defense core, but they can play two-way hockey really, really well. But it's exciting when, uh, you know, when we will see this series. Probably won't start till the weekend or early next week, but it's uh, pretty exciting. But kind of a template, you know, you can have skill. You can have all of that you know, even great goaltending, but if you don't have a little more grit and sandpaper in your lineup and the Habs, I think have shown that they can play that dirty kind of muck it up clutch grab, especially the way the officials call the playoffs, you know, and they have people that drive you crazy. The Oilers definitely could use some of that. 619. It's Campbell in for Wilkins here on 630 Chad inside sports. Stanley Cup playoffs after two periods of play in Carolina. The Lightning up 1-0 on the Carolina Hurricanes, so a very tight, low-scoring game. A lot different game than we saw in game number four in Tampa between these two teams on Sunday. It was just last goal wins. It's, it was just, you know, defense optional, goaltending not so good. Um, Nedeljkovic is back in goal for the Hurricanes. I mentioned Peter Morazic, maybe a goalie option for the Oilers, and definitely Ken Holland has a history with him, and, you know, that does sometimes factor into why you sign a player. Uh, but Morazic, you know, he can be really good and he can be a little bit of a, a little bit of a mystery at times, but you know, a lot of goalies are like that, but uh, he might be an option for the Oilers, but uh, Morazic and the Hurricanes down one, nothing to the Tampa Bay Lightning still to come the Vegas Golden Knights and Colorado Avalanche in Denver. That game will start in about a half an hour from now or 40 minutes from now, I should say as uh, the, 
this is five as the team that wins obviously in game in uh, or game number six will uh, have a chance to advance to the Stanley Cup semifinal and face the Montreal Canadiens. Also, Bruce Cassidy today, he was fined $25,000. If we have time later, we're going to play the clip from Cassidy. This has been an interesting series uh, as far as the gamesmanship from Cassidy from the Bruins side and uh, from uh, Barry Trotz from the Islanders side. Uh, the Trotz said that he felt, I believe this was before game, must have been before game five, that he felt Patrice Bergeron, who was Mr. Selkie Trophy, one of the best two-way players in the game, uh, and a good face-off man, that he cheats on face-offs, and he gets away with it. Okay, that's his opinion. So Bruce Cassidy today fined $25,000 for comments he made about how the officiating is handling the series, and he feels that because there's a veteran coach in Trotz and a veteran general manager in Lula Amarello that they get a little bit more leeway and a little bit more influence over the officials. And even though Cassidy said, I really like the officials, the officials are great, the officials are doing a great job, but I just wonder, I just wonder, if uh, because of the veteran head coach and the veteran general manager, if they just, you know, they're not really, are, are, are they a little bit more influential in what's being called? So it was almost like what you hear, ah, they're they're favoring a certain team. It, it was almost like Bruce Cassidy was saying that. It was a fascinating comment, and uh, we'll have time, uh, try and make time for it a little bit later on uh, in the show. But it was, uh, it, it's something that you just don't hear. I mean, you hear coaches say, I didn't like that call. I thought that was a bad call. No, that should have been called. This was straight up the officials are favoring the other team, even though they're doing a tremendous job. So Bruce Cassidy is a $25,000 lighter in the pocket. Well, Winnipeg, after sweeping the Oilers, got swept by the Habs. We'll find out how this happened when we go to Winnipeg next and uh, speak with Kelly Moore from CJOB. It is Campbell in for Wilkins this week, and glad to be here on 6.30 Chat Inside Sports. Talk to you after the news. Dave Campbell for Reed, Reed at Wilkins tonight. I can tell you the third period underway in Carolina. The Lightning less than uh, 20 minutes away from advancing to the Stanley Cup semifinal. They currently lead 1-0 over the Carolina Hurricanes. So uh, the only goal so far is Braden Point, his eighth goal of the season. Still to come, Vegas Golden Knights, Colorado Avalanche, game five of their Pacific Division final with this series tied at two games apiece. NBA tonight, the Philadelphia 76ers with a 35-29 lead on the Atlanta Hawks in uh, game two of their series with, uh, oh, I said I said the Sixers lead the series one game to nothing. No, that's wrong. The Hawks lead the series one game to none. And still to come tonight, the LA Clippers are at home to the Utah Jazz. No, they're on the road in Utah against the Jazz. 
the Clippers finally won a home game. Well, someone in that series won a home game between the Clips and the Mavs. No one could win a home game except for game seven when the Clippers did that. So they advance to uh, round two. They'll start uh, their series with Utah tonight. And in the top of the second inning, the Toronto Blue Jays were beginning a series with the Chicago White Sox. They are tied 0-0. Let's read a few texts here. Uh, You can sign your name as well. You know, you can do that. It's all good. I wonder if seven wins in 12 days is an NHL record. Playoffs the regular season. I don't know, but it's quite the feat. And the Habs are used to playing a lot of hockey in a short amount of time. Uh, by the way, I love this tweet from Emily Kaplan from uh, this morning. And we've had Emily on. She's a fine uh, ESPN hockey writer. Text from NHL player last night that made me laugh. Montreal eliminated more teams in the last week than Toronto has in 17 years. This league, man, that's a that's a beauty. That is a beauty. Uh, this, uh, texter says after the clean hit on Evans by Shifley, the BS suspension, the Jets aggressive play was MIA. Well, I would say it wasn't clean. I would say the suspension may be a little harsh, but, uh, Shifley deserved something. Maybe not four games, but he deserved something. All right. So it's been over. Two weeks since the Oilers were eliminated by the Jets who swept them, and now the Jets are swept. And uh, let's go to Winnipeg now and invite in Kelly Moore from CJOB Sports, uh, Sports Radio, uh, or CJOB Radio. He's in the sports department. That's the voice of the Jets. Kelly, uh, greetings from sad Edmonton to uh, sad Winnipeg. Nice to have you on. How are you doing? Uh, it is good to be back, Dave. And uh, it, for, for your listeners' sake, we're doing this via Zoom call, and I'm going to blow your cover. Uh, <laughs> all of you listeners on 630, Chad, this guy has the ultimate Edmonton Elks man cave going right now. <laughs> yes, it's uh, quite the green and gold feel. I don't uh, have, like, the uh, – well, I don't even know what the uniform setup's going to be like. So I was saying, like, there's some rooms I have seen, green and gold rooms that have the striping and all that, but I, I don't have that. I'm not. I'm not that skilled. But, yeah, uh, yeah. hey, what what do you think of the Edmonton Elks rollout, by the way? You know what? I, I like the idea. Uh, I think that, uh, A, you, you get to maintain the tradition of the Edmonton Football Club as it has been perceived uh, for all these years. So it's not a radical departure there. And there's there's so many marketing possibilities with the Elks. So uh, I, I thought it was a slam dunk. I thought it was a great great decision by the football club and if it was inspired by the fan base then good on the fan base and good news as well because i think we're going to have a cfl season which uh, should be i believe ratified this coming monday by the cfl board of governors and uh, maybe that's a good thing for both our markets because high expectations for the oilers and i'm sure there were high expectations for the jets I know Oilers fans are saying, how did we get swept by that team who just got swept by the Montreal Canadiens? But before we talk about that, uh, the shock of the city right now, is is it shock? Is it kind of like, what is it right now? Uh, I, I think it is despair, disappointment, bewilderment. <laughs> I don't like how the team played last night. Like It was... Uh, that was as lopsided an overtime game as I've seen in, in quite some time, Dave. It was only the brilliance of Connor Hellebuck uh, that allowed the Jets to hang in there for 99 seconds in overtime. It isn't that nice symmetry for Edmonton. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, 
the the Montreal Canadiens executed their game plan to a T. And uh, let's face it, you know, when you, when you say, how did this happen? Well, I'm not going to say that Mark Shifley is as good a player as Connor McDavid. But I will say that Mark Shifley's value to the Winnipeg Jets is equitable to Connor McDavid's with the Edmonton Oilers. So you take either one of those players out of the lineup and you have a massive piece of your success that just simply cannot be replaced. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you have depth or, uh, you know, whether you have uh, the hockey god smiling on you. Those players are, are of elite category and simply cannot be replaced. So I, I think when Mark Shifley decided to try to send Jake Evans into the 10th row and the National Hockey League and the Department of Player Safety responded the way they did, that uh, that took a whole lot of the momentum out of the Winnipeg Jets. Now, would they have beaten the Montreal Canadiens with Mark Shifley in the lineup? I I don't think so. Mm. Not the way Montreal and especially Carey Price is playing right now. But, Dave, I don't think they would have swept them, and I don't think it would have looked as lopsided as it did, especially the last two nights. And rubbing salt in the wound a little bit more with Mark Shifley is the excitement of opening night. Uh, if it's in Winnipeg, for example, he won't even be in the lineup because he's got to serve one oh. more game of his four-game suspension. Yeah, be and and just to, you know as a reminder, because it was less than six, uh, it would only have been an appeal to the commissioner Gary Bettman, and that would have had to have been done in a forty-eight hour time frame. So that window has passed. So Mark Shifley will definitely sit out the season opener. <laughs> it, would be, it, it would be something if it was against the Edmonton Elks. Sorry, I mean Oilers. <laughs> We're uh, speaking with Kelly Moore, our good friend from CJOB Radio Sports in uh, Winnipeg, the voice of the Jets, talking about the. Uh, the Jets' uh, shocking four-game sweep of the at the hands of the Montreal Canadiens. You know what's shocking as well is, like, the we talk about how overwhelming the Canadians were in that overtime period. It just seemed to be that way throughout the whole series. And I'm thinking that their best, the Jets' best moment, seemed to be when Logan Stanley scored twice in four minutes. That seemed to be the highlight of the whole darn series because beyond that, it was all Canadians. It, it felt like. Well, Dave, I'll tell you what, going into last night's game, the series had been 180 minutes long. Mm. The Canadians had led for 150 minutes and four seconds of that time frame. So the Winnipeg Jets were in chase mode for all but 29 minutes and 56 seconds of the first three games. Now, they gave up, you know, the first goal last night, eight minutes into the game, but they were eventually able to tie it up. So that was, you know, at least from a scoreboard perspective, that was their best game. And you're right, that was the high watermark for them uh, in the series. Uh, although I thought that game two could have gone either way. Connor Hellebuck did have to come up with some great saves mm -hmm. uh, to keep it a one-to-nothing game. But uh, I think the series could have changed a little bit. And that's where I think if Mark Shifley's in the lineup, uh, that perhaps the Jets win that game. And then maybe it's, you know, a five, six, or possibly seven-game series. But when Edmonton won that game, or sorry, when Montreal won that game, and then just fed the Jets their lunch, dinner, and their bedtime snack in game three. Uh, you know, and, 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 and like the Oilers, though, Dave, I think that, you know, Winnipeg did what they could last night it wasn't close to being good enough but they at least made a game out of it they didn't throw the sticks into the middle of the ice and say okay you know we're done for the year they they at least made montreal try to earn it before i ask you about the jeff's the jets off season 
this sentiment has come up a lot since uh, the the Habs have advanced to the semifinal, Stanley Cup semifinal, and that that it mercifully ends the North Division right now. The the Habs are the kings of the North. It just didn't yeah. seem that the hype of the North Division was matched by the actual play. I mean, there was hardly any playoff races. There was a, a race a little bit for second, but not so much. There was a, a race for third at the end of the season, but that fizzled out. It just like it to me, as exciting as we were, as excited as we were going into the season, uh, it just didn't live up to the hype. And I'm kind of pa uh, pining for normalcy for for next season schedule. Well, I'll tell you, I sure am because the Jets uh, did not have a single team in their own time zone. So, <laughs> <laughs> good point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, I, I would have had it with the nine o'clock and nine thirty starts. Let me tell you, yeah. I'll, I'll be glad to see those go. Yeah, you know, I mean, you're still going to have a few uh, over the course of the year, but man, out of a 56-game schedule, I think it was like 15 or 16 of them. So, uh, you know what, Dave? I think you're right. I, I thought uh, that uh, the intensity that the uh the excitement kind of peaked in late february slash early march for the north division uh you know the, i mean connor and leon they lit it up all year long but you have mitch uh, marner and uh matthew certainly playing well uh you know calgary and vancouver were still somewhat in the playoff race then but the thing that i guess surprised me the most was i thought by the time we got to late march and early april and these teams were playing each other you know, for the seventh or eighth time of the season, that it was going to be, you know, the equivalent of the Hatfields and McCoys. Yeah. And, yeah. and and it was more like just family feud, you know, a lot of talking, but, you know, <laughs> there, there, there really wasn't anything that, you know, that upped up the, amped up the meter. And and so how much of that then do you chalk into the fact that, you know, there, there wasn't that usual buzz when the Edmonton Oilers are coming to town or the Toronto Maple Leafs are coming to town or, or, or whatever. Uh, I thought the fans were, were really missed in the North division, but you know what, Dave, you're absolutely correct. Uh, because Toronto was home and done so quickly because the Oilers had secured second place so quickly, there wasn't any of that late season drama. And, and, I know there were there were some people that were back east suggesting, oh, Edmonton and Winnipeg. There's no intensity in that series at all. It looks like preseason. It looks like early season. <laughs> and I think I kind of thought, well, it's it's not certainly playing on an even par with what we were seeing in some of the U.S. series. But I also didn't think it was quite that bad either. No. Uh, yeah, there there was something missing. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, no question. Kelly Moore joining us from CJOB Radio Sports in Winnipeg, the home of the Jets here on 630 Chad Inside Sports. So here we go. Uh, the offseason uh, about, well, you're in the offseason now, but the decisions, you know, probably won't be made. Uh, obviously, free agency coming up in about a month and a half. There's a draft before that. Uh Paul Maurice's future, that always is going to come up because he's the head coach of a team that just got swept. I, I don't know. Let me, let me jump in on that one yeah, right now. Please. Paul Maurice isn't going anywhere. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah so uh, I can lay that to rest right now. That, uh, uh, you know, it's, and I don't know what the preoccupy, uh, preoccupation is with today's modern fam that, you know, fire this person, fire that person, trade that person, like, Maybe it's because I'm a little older and I come from an era where there's a little more uh, of a big picture uh, type of thinking that goes into it. Now, if if the team had quit on Paul Maurice or if there had been, uh, you know, some uh, inner struggles or whatever that were going on and, and, the co and there was bad chemistry between the coach and the players, maybe you take a look at that. But mm -hmm. I can assure you there was none of that. So uh, that's not going to happen. Having said that, though, Dave, I mean, let's face it. 
what we saw in that series in particular against Montreal, but also against the Edmonton Oilers. You know, the, the Oilers fans had to be devastated because all, you know, those last three games all went into overtime. And and even the first one was a one-goal game mm -hmm. uh, with a couple of editors. That series could have gone either way. So nobody was looking at the Winnipeg Jets through rose-colored glasses and thinking, wow, you know, you just kicked Edmonton to the curb in four games. No, your goaltender was the difference uh, to a large part in you being able to do what you did in that series. So there are still the same issues that this hockey club is going to have to address. Uh, Montreal exposed them for what they were with that big four on defense. The Jets just could not get anywhere close to the front of the net on a sustained basis on Carey Price. So do they have to get a little bigger and stronger? Uh, and, and their defense has to be addressed. Mm -hmm. They need to try to find a way. I don't know if you take a look at you know one of your most marketable players and say okay is this what we're gonna have to part with to get a marquee caliber defenseman you know i'm not saying it's darnell nurse but i'm saying it has to be along the lines of a darnell nurse that's mm -hmm. the kind of a player uh, that the jets need to get and the only way you're going to get a player like that is if you pay handsomely for it so uh those are some of the decisions that are going to have to be made and i think you know you're going to see uh, young mikhail burden who has been uh developed along on the farm uh he'll probably be moved along now to be connor hellebuck's backup uh take a look and see what he can do in a limited role you know hellebuck's still going to want to play 60 to 65 games so that'll be enough to give burden a taste of it and uh you know see if he can develop into an nhl caliber goaltender those would be the early areas dave that i would see that the club would address all right one more for you the the montreal canadians actually have rest now they haven't had a lot of it yeah. this whole season but now they can sit back and watch the the knights and the avalanche tear each other apart for possibly three more games that's been a very fun series to watch Considering all that, do you give the Habs any chance at all against either the Avs or the Knights in the in their Stanley Cup semifinal? Well, I'll tell you, Montreal's going to be a tough out. If they can somehow maintain the, the level that they are at right now, they will be a difficult hockey club to play against. But here's the thing, Dave. History has taught us that as much as it's great to sweep, it is an impediment. Since 1986-87, when the NHL went to a full seven-game format for all of their you know, best-of-seven format for all mm -hmm. of their series, yep. uh, there have now been 11 scenarios where a team that swept played a team that went seven. In those 11 scenarios, yeah. the team that went seven has won seven times, ah. including the last six in a row. And go. if Vegas beats Colorado, then that's going to be you know, eight out of 12 and eight in a row. So history, <laughs> history doesn't work in the Habs' favor if Colorado and Vegas go to seven. Uh, and uh, here they are sitting and waiting after winning four uh, in a row. You know, they're so used to it now because, of course, after COVID, they had to play all those games in a compact yep. schedule. They're almost conditioned to having to play an accelerated schedule so we'll see you know how much uh, how many days off is too many days off uh if they're not able to to play at the same level as vegas and colorado but i don't know about you but I, i've watched a couple of those games dave and it's like it's a different league compared to what we were watching in the north division yeah sadly um it is next level the uh of the three divisions it, it just is and it's not to say that there isn't that there isn't good players good teams in the north division it's just oh, no. oh. the way it worked out hey i mean the pacific is yeah. pacific central east 
I mean, it was it was dogfights throughout the regular season for positioning where it wasn't in the North Division. And unfortunately, maybe that kind of played into it. But there's the Habs laying in the weeds and they strike the Leafs. Now they strike the Jets. We'll see if they can strike again and make it to the, to the cup final. Yeah, the only thing I'd say in defense of the North Division, Dave, is uh, I wonder, though, if we might not have seen that type of intensity from the players had there been what is it, 19,000 at Rogers Place or 20,000 or whatever it is, uh, and Bell MPS Place had been jammed to the Raptors, I think we would have a different perception of the North Division playoffs as well, though. Well, hopefully we don't have to put up with that ever again because there'll be fans in the building come fall. So, Kelly, I know it's uh, tough in Winnipeg right now. It's been a couple weeks here in Edmonton since the Jets beat the Oilers. It does get a little bit better, so don't worry about it. Everyone... In Winnipeg, I'm giving you hope. So thanks, Kelly. Always appreciate it, man. What are you trying to be, Dr. Dave now or what? Well, if the radio career doesn't work out, you never know, right? <laughs> <laughs> thanks, buddy. Hey, you got her. Now I'm going to stick to my uh, to my day job. And this week, my uh, my night job uh, for uh, my duties as a guest host here on 630 Chet Inside Sports. Always great to uh, have uh, Kelly Moore from CJOB in Winnipeg, the voice of the Winnipeg Jets. Some interesting uh, happenings in this Game 5 Central Division. Tampa Bay Lightning with a 2-0 lead. That is because uh, they have Ross Colton, who uh, the the uh, Canes had a chance to dump the puck in at the uh, Lightning Blue Line. They did not do that. And the puck goes the other way, and Ross Colton scores his third goal of the season. Now the Canes are on a power play because Andre Palat just, uh, it looked like a bit of a headshot, or it's a high hit anyway on Brent Pesci of the Hurricanes, but Pesci was on the bench uh, kind of favoring his shoulder. So uh, maybe it did not hit the head, but uh, Palat gets the penalty, and they are on the power play. Canes trying to uh, cut into this 2-0 lead for the Lightning with just over six minutes left or just under six minutes left. Still to come, Game 5, Pacific Division Final. The uh, home team has won every game as this series is tied at two between the Knights and the Az. Knights head coach Peter DeBoer says, doesn't matter where we play, we just want to play. For me, it doesn't matter. We want to keep keep building our game, keep working on on the formula that's working and um, you know show up and, and uh, you know they're obviously going to have something to say about it. Great team really tough at home but uh and our guys aren't uh, aren't aren't a group that's easily intimidated well there's a lot of excitement about the edmonton elks excitement about a cfl season we'll talk to a alumni do i call him an elks alumni i'm not sure so we'll try and get some clarity and also get the thoughts of blake dermott our in-game analyst for edmonton elks games here on 6 30 ched and uh, we'll also find out uh, how the merch is uh doing it is it flying off the shelves we'll get that update after uh, 7 30 as well keep you updated on the stanley cup playoff games it is dave campbell in for reed wilkins this week on 6 30 ched inside sports nice to have you along Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. 